Welcome to the Schoolhouse Podcast, where it is jumping. All right, all right, guys. So you know the objective of this Schoolhouse Podcast is to provide a safe place for educators. You guys know during the pandemic, a lot of teachers were leaving the profession, and the Schoolhouse Podcast goal is to keep the teachers and educators in this profession. All right. And also as well, I've, I have been doing a 10-day um, positive affirmation challenge. I actually just finished up not too long ago, and man, it was a um, game changer. So I just want to encourage you guys out there, for anybody that may be struggling with their mental health, positive affirmations is a great way to get the day started. It helped me personally grow as a person, so I'm pretty sure it'll help you guys grow as well. All right, so enough of me talking. We're going to go ahead and dive into this podcast. I will allow my guest to introduce herself. Yes, good evening, everyone. I bring you all greetings from the small town of Monk's Corner in the beautiful state of South Carolina. Uh, I am Isis Mann. I am a wife. I am a mom, and my calling is in the field of education. I have been an educator for 12 years now, and I've been in the education consulting world uh, with my company, Fundamentals of Learning, for since 2019. So this is going into my fourth year of just taking all those wonderful things I learned as a classroom teacher and just doing them on a larger scale. Okay, okay, okay. So I got to ask you, you know, this is a podcast. Um, where it's a safe place for educators. How's your mental health going? It is going right now. It's going pretty amazing. You know, the thing about mm -hmm. mental health, it could be amazing right now. And then five minutes from now, you know, you have to kind of regroup and bring yourself um, back to back to a centered space. Um, but I love that you asked that question. Like I've listened to other episodes. Um, and I just love that you that you give space to just ask that and, and give you know, individuals the opportunity to actually talk about and answer that question truthfully. Because um, a lot of times we'll say, oh, I'm fine, or I'm getting mm -hmm. by, or I'm okay. Uh, and sometimes you're not. <laughs> so right. I, I think that is that is really amazing that you asked that. Um, and my hope is that people will just answer truthfully. You don't have to tell our whole laundry list of everything that's going wrong or what we're worried yeah. about. Um, but I think it's definitely important to acknowledge when you're okay, acknowledge when you're not okay. And then, you know, kind of like what you're doing with those affirmations, just having a space in your mind and in your heart where you can just center yourself and bring yourself back when you feel like you're losing yourself. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll stop right there because I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm heavy hey. on the mental health for real. Oh, no, this aid, hey, hey. <laughs> you're the star, you're the star right now. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll let you, you know, elaborate as much as you would like to. Um, that's what this space is for, you know, and kind of piggyback on what you're saying. It's so important, you know. I feel like I know for me, I have my mental struggles on a day to day basis. That was one of the reasons why I started a positive affirmation challenge, and I'm thinking, right. you know. Especially after hearing about the guy, I think his name was Twitch, I believe mm -hmm. so. Um, yeah, hearing about his passing and just so many yeah. others, and even like what's going on in the NFL right now, it's just mm -hmm. it's crazy. It's a lot that's going on in our in our society, and it I is. think that mental health um, has to be at the forefront, especially in education. When you think mm -hmm. about, it. I mean, teachers get up and they pour their hearts out 
to these mm-hmm. kids and then they're they're in these meetings and it's just so much that goes by and it's so easy to do to miss like the opportunity to really evaluate that mental health aspect mm-hmm. because hey if your tank is full you're able to give even more but when it's abandoned and neglected then hey how much can you really glit how much can you really really give when your mental health is not you know at the best place so right yeah most definitely so uh my friend uh i already asked you the question but my next question will be is why did you choose education you could have chosen any other profession but you chose education yeah education chose me um and this i, I feel like it could be a little cliche cliche at times but it really did. Like I had the opportunity to do several other things um, just because there were different things that that I had the the opportunity, I would say, to do or to be a part of. One of those things was going into the military. Like I was really JROTC in high school, ROTC in college, you know, doing fitness tests, taking the ASVAB, like I was really going to be about that military life against what my mother wanted because i'm an only child she was like nah we're not doing this um but i think my mentality and i think a lot of individuals that grow up low income you know we kind of see that military as ooh, like this guaranteed money like i'm gonna be rich in a way um so that was my mentality that was the main kind of reason why i wanted to go into it because i felt like it would be a lot more money um mm. but then i did a summer camp at uh, freedom schools well i didn't even do the camp i was exposed to the camp and after that i applied but i also got into a basic training program for the army so it's like Ugh. and it was at the same exact time so it was like i either had to go to boot camp and start my military career or I had to choose to go to freedom schools and essentially start my teaching career. So it was a lot of prayer, a lot of fasting. I I always knew I wanted to still be in education in some sort of way, but I wasn't 100 percent sold on it until I did that internship. And I felt I felt what I felt. I can't even describe it, but I but I felt like, okay, this is the area where. I need to put a hundred percent of my energy of my time and of myself into and mm-hmm. from there like it, it it just has never has never stopped for me and this is what mm-hmm. i'm going to do forever may not wow. be in the same capacity but right. i'm going to always be an educator because it truly is what i'm called to do mm, that's real that's real now with that um being said you say you've been in education for 12 years Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So, like, throughout the 12 years of being in education in terms of, you know, just being an educator, was there a point in time where you felt like you, you neglected your mental health or you felt like, dang, you know, I'm not doing too well or I'm not sure if I want to do mm-hmm. this anymore? Or did you ever have any experiences with that? I would say that... No, I would definitely say that I did, but I was so blessed and so fortunate to have the students that I had. Like when I was having a bad day, I wanted to go to work because my kids were that that fuel for me. 
Like there would literally be times where I would walk into my classroom and one of my students would have my favorite chocolate on the desk. Oh, wow. Or I would walk in and they would be, you know, when I had older kids, they knew how to get on the computer. They would have my favorite gospel song playing. So it was just like those moments where I felt like, oh my goodness, like I can't do this. Um, it, it's too much. Like there was always that reminder that I was in the right place. Even oh. if it was hard, there was, mm. it, it was always that reminder that you're supposed to be here in this time, in this space, doing what you're supposed to do. And then I also had to start journaling more. Like at the end of my, my work day, I had to sit down and reflect. What did I do well today? What didn't I do well today? What do I want to do better tomorrow? And then mm. when I got home, you know, the same type thing. I was a, and I was a mom when I first started teaching. So mm. I literally had twins in June and started my teaching career in January. So there mm. wasn't a lot of, you know, space and time for me to, I guess, get it together. So I really had to start building that into my routine. Like my morning routine had to be affirmation, Bible mm. verses, prayer, gospel music, and then, you know, go forth in my day. And I was a type of educator where I never really separated who I was as a person from who I was as a teacher. And I feel mm. like a lot of teachers get burnt out and exhausted because they are somebody from seven to three. And then from four to nine or whatever, there's somebody else. No, mm. I like to dance. I like to eat. I like to joke. And that's who I was as a teacher. And that's who I what? am, you know, as an educator. And I feel like that's why I don't get as exhausted because mm. I don't try to be somebody different in that teacher mm. role. I just be myself. Wow. Your authentic self. Your authentic self. I love it. And, I, and I've seen some of your uh, videos. Man, you have so much joy. <laughs> so much energy i said oh yeah she's definitely passionate about this like you are like super excited it's it's, it's a refresher to see that type of spirit yeah yeah i wow. get yeah i get that compliment all the time like oh my goodness like your energy is amazing and i'm just like i don't think i really realized it was a gift until i started being around other individuals with low energy and i'm just like ooh, that's why i get compliments on my energy because ooh. <laughs> Yeah. Your energy is low, honey, or what's going on? Mm. Um, but yeah, and it's also, I got to give my kindergartners a lot of credit. Like when I started teaching kindergarten, I was like, there is no way to be angry and have an attitude and sing a nursery rhyme at the same time. Like you right. got to gather yourself. Like you really just have to find something within yourself to pull that, that energy out. Because when you teach those kids, it's just like you're constantly moving. You're constantly up. You're constantly trying to keep them engaged and keep them, you know, in tune to what you're doing and what you're saying. So you can't lack energy, especially when you teach those, you know, the, that that kindergarten, pre-K, head start area. Like you don't have a choice but to dig deep and pull that energy from somewhere. And I just never lost that. I never lost it. Mm -hmm. That's real. That's real. So you've only taught um, what grade? So you've taught kindergarten. Have you taught any other higher grades? Yeah. So I taught all elementary grades. So all the way okay. from kindergarten up until fifth, I just spent the mm -hmm. last part of my teaching career in the classroom in kindergarten. So out of the 12 years, I want to say seven, six or seven of them were in kindergarten. Mm. 
Got you, got you, got you. So how was it, you you being a teacher, right? How was how was your first year of teaching? Child. How was your first year of teaching? I apologize to them poor kids every day. I was like, oh, look, because really? I taught fifth grade my first okay. year. Well, okay. Let me rewind that. I started teaching in January. And mm-hmm. when I started teaching in January, I was what they call a floater teacher. So I didn't even have okay. a classroom. I didn't have a key. I didn't have anything. I was on a cart and I was moving from room to room and I was helping what they called the bubble kids. So these kids could okay. pass the state test. They could not pass the state test. And it was my job to get them pretty much out of that bubble. So my first year of teaching was a little traumatizing because I'm just like, I went and got a four-year degree and I spend most of my time in the copy room making copies or pulling a small group. So I was determined, hey, this following year, I'm not going to be a floater teacher. Like I want a key. I want my name on the door. I want to be able to build relationships, you know, with my kids, with families. Uh, so my first full year of teaching, it I did get my own room. I did get my own students. But they were fifth graders, and I taught every subject. So reading, math, science, and social studies. And like I started this answer with, I apologize to my kids every day. Like, look, what I said yesterday was completely wrong. (laughs) I went home and studied. What you used to say? What you used to say? What you used to say? So those science lessons, you know, with the different vocabulary words and we, so essentially we were practicing. I remember one lesson specifically, we were practicing for the end of year exam. We were practicing these science questions and I don't know, I had to do something with like the weight, if you added sugar and why did the weight of the liquid increase or something, I just made something up. (laughs) Wow. Oh, wait. So you made something up on the spot. Yeah. I made something up on the spot. And that was a good example, too. It was a real good example. You Um, remember the example? I think I said something about, and this is another thing. My kids always laughed at me because I Mm -hmm. I mean, I tried to use like real life examples. So the question was about water and sugar. I I think I said something to the effect of like, if y'all making Kool-Aid, and you add the water first. <laughs> it was uh-huh. so bad. And I was like, and then, it, and then you add the sugar, the amount of water is going to increase or something. I, it was uh-huh. bad. Uh-huh. It was bad. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, very terrible, very terrible example. Uh, so, mm. yeah, when I went back home and I read the guide and I read the answers and I read the description and the breakdown of the answer, I went back the next day. I was like, look, y'all, we just gonna have to study this all over again. We're gonna learn together. That's what I said my whole first year in fifth grade. We're learning this together. At the same time. Wow. <laughs> but I got as, no, and I, I think that's a healthy perspective mm-hmm. to have because you know, and I know as as me personally, as a as a kid, I used to think that teachers had it all together, right? They are these magnificent educators, and they're they're super smart. And with us, like I used to think, they used to live in school. I was like, these teachers probably live here. They just, I don't know. But it's 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 good to hear, you know, saying that we're going to go through this journey together. 
We're going to learn together. I might not have all the answers for you, but we're going to learn this together. And that's a great mentality to have. Not having this like perfection or having Mm -hmm. all together type attitude, but having this attitude of we're going to learn this together. So that's that's really dope. I like the idea of that. Yeah, and they need that. Yeah, they need Mm -hmm. that. They need to see that you're human. They need to see that you make mistakes. Uh, I apologize to my my students often. Like if I snap, if I had an attitude, if I wasn't in the mood and I wasn't my normal self, like I would apologize. We would, I would literally have crying sessions sometimes with my students. Like, hey, I just lost somebody very important to me. So I'm not, I might not, you know, be my best self today or, you know, I'm, I'm not feeling well today. So I might not be as patient. So like just having conversations with them so that they know how to have conversations with each other. Because you can even, you know, I, I taught my kindergartners like, hey, if you're not in the, in the mood today to play around with Taekwon, you need to tell him that. Don't just throw the blocks. Don't just walk away. Don't just rip up the paper. Like, you need to sit down and have this conversation. And I think the beautiful thing about it is teaching them that and being an example of that has really nurtured the way that I, I still talk to some of the kids I talked to kin, taught in kindergarten 10 years ago today mm. because it was never about me teaching them their letter sounds and their vowels and their sight words. It was about me making sure you the best human that you can be. And they knew that and they felt that. And that's why we're still, you know, connected in that way because it was never about me just being your teacher. Right. I told my kids, I'm, I'm going to always be your teacher. I don't care mm. who you have next year. I don't care if it's five, six years down the line. I'm going to always be your teacher. There's going to always be something that that you can that you can get from me because of mm. this relationship that we have. Mm. And I think uh, you said something. You said that you cried in front of your students. That's some, that's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. That's vulnerability right there. I think that speaks vulnerability. I'm like, man, that's a. Uh, so you, 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 when you cried, that didn't, those emotions, it didn't make you feel like, dang, I'm nervous to cry in front of my students or I got to keep it all together. You was like, I'm just going to be real and raw about what mm-hmm. I'm going through right now. Yeah. And because, wow. and it wasn't only a situation of, what I was going through, it was also conversations that I was hearing about them. So like my fifth graders, for example, they would cut up, they would, you know, not do their best. And then when I went into meetings with my principal and my team, they would be in there saying, hey, your class, not this, your class, not doing that. Your class is below every other, you know, every other class. And that hurt me because I knew their potential. I knew what they could do, but yet and still I had to sit and listen to what people outside of our classroom were saying about them. So when I went back to the classroom and had that conversation with them, I did get emotional because I'm like, they don't know y'all like I know y'all. They don't know the potential that y'all have and y'all not showing them that. And that's hurtful to me. Y'all would rather, Mm. you know, Say y'all would rather have drama. Y'all would rather talk about this and talk about that rather than putting that energy into y'all work. And now I got to sit around and hear people talking down about y'all when I know y'all can do better. Mm. So it was like that, you know, I always had those conversations with my students because I'm like, at the end of the day, 
nobody's going to have this conversation with y'all but me. They're going to continue to say, y'all failing. Y'all not doing what y'all need to do because y'all poor, because y'all in a single parent household, because of this, right. because of this. And it's just like, y'all letting them. Like I had a conversation with my fifth graders in what, 2021 about the same wow. thing. I had a conversation with my fifth graders about in 2013. I'm just like, this is not like, and it's not okay. And and nobody, I shouldn't say nobody. We don't have enough educators having these real conversations. Like, look, this is how you are looked at in the outside world. Yes, I love you right. in this classroom, but in yeah. the outside world, they think you trash. Right. And yeah. just be straight up and tell them like, right. hey, you can't afford to make them right. You can't afford right. it. I can't afford that. Because when you look bad, I look bad. And I ain't trying to look bad. Mm. Mm. No. I, I I think I think I think everything you said was right. You know, and this is just real, man. I get tired of hearing that. Like hearing, especially in urban school communities about kids that are reading below grade level, they're left behind. Oh, they have behavior issues. They can't sit down and pay attention or or even like the whole idea with the school prison pipeline system, even that, because I just, I just, because I just learned about the school prison pipeline system this year. Oh, wow. And just hearing how, yeah, so I'm I'm still in my undergrad, and I yeah. learned about um it was a sociology class, and mm -hmm. we were talking about um I think something dealing with anti-racism or something mm -hmm. like that, mm -hmm. and um and how the school prison pipeline is basically designed to keep African American students out of school and to mm -hmm. have them in a in a prison system, mm -hmm. and that it just I don't know. Like even just hearing like you saying it, like if I if I was in your position, I would be hurt too. You know, mm -hmm. if somebody is telling me my kids they're not they're not they're left behind or they they're not capable. You know, just I don't know. Yeah, that was just me kind of spilling my two cents on on, on what you were mm -hmm. saying because I can only imagine that that is frustrating. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely so. So with, with your kids, um, I know that she was mentioning something, things about them, you know, the things that you were hearing in these meetings. Did you feel mm -hmm. like the school was trying to, or, or the school leaders or staff was trying to support your class in any capacity to help them better academically? Or was it was kind of like, it was kind of on you to, you know, pull it together? I will say that I've had team members that I could okay. rely on. Like I could go next door and talk to a teacher and be like, hey, we need to do X, Y, Z to get these kids back on track. Leadership wise, not mm. really. I think out of mm. the, out of the, what I have, five principles, out of the five principles that I was under, I could really count on one and a half of them mm. to give me to give me what I need. And that's what led me into my master's. So I went and got my master's in administration because I was like, look, 
I know we talk about teachers all day, but if we right. if they don't have strong leaders to go to and strong mm -hmm. leaders that's going to have their back, like they're going to continue to leave. <laughs> and that's why yeah. I went back and, and, you know, and I got my degree in administration. But then I was like, well, dang, now mm -hmm. that I'm a principal, I have to fight the district to even hire me because now they've already hired all their friends and all their friends are principals and their and their friends are not doing what they're supposed to do so now i'm back in school <laughs> to get my doctorate because i'm just like at the end of the day if i don't have the tools and the resources to build it myself outside of the system it's not gonna get done oh look so at you support uh -huh. No one would feel supported, or I would have still been a classroom teacher, if I'm just being mm. honest. Mm. I did. Wait, repeat that again. I'm, can you repeat that again? I'm sorry. Which part? Um, You were saying something about the classroom, being yeah, a classroom teacher. Yeah, I was just saying, if I had that support that you were asking about, like, do I, do I feel like anybody supported me or had my back? If I felt that way 100%, I would have still been a classroom teacher. So the fact oh, that, I'm, that I left <laughs> the system is proof that I didn't feel supported. A lot of other teachers that left with me didn't feel supported. And it was exhausting to be the to be one of the only ones in the building that really believed in the kids. Like that was exhausting. Wow. Constantly trying to mm. prove, you know, that they're capable. Constantly having conversations saying hey you can't compare my kids that came in two grade levels behind to another group of kids that came in on grade level like this is not right. fair you know that's not a fair fight that we in it's not a fair conversation that we're having and when i could when i could show you the data that i grew 18 kids two years compared to you know somebody else that their their kids came in on grade level it's just like and, I don't, and I'm not asking for a pat on the back, but at the end of the day, don't continue to have conversations with me about kids that are not on grade level and not focus on their growth. And I feel like mm. that was the, that was the biggest issue, one of the biggest issues for me. Like the conversation mm. was always about proficiency right. and never about growth, ever. When you say work, what do you mean in terms of the students? Wait, what do you, what do you mean by, what do you mean by work? When you say that like the students work are you saying like when you saying it was about being efficient you mm -hmm. were you saying it's student you saying the meetings were about being efficient or about work you kind of confused me there yeah so the so the meetings were about so we went into so let's say we go into our poc where all the teachers come together and okay. with the principal or with you know whatever coaches in the building Right. So that conversation that they were having during those meetings were about the kids that hit the mark. And that was it. Gotcha. Not about the kid that didn't know any letters and now they know 20 letters. They didn't want to have a conversation about that. They only wanted to have a conversation about the kids that knew all 26 letters. Right. And it's just gotcha. like when you, when you have those conversations, you leave out those kids that are really trying hard and they're really showing that progress but the the conversation only has to be about proficiency the conversation is never really about okay who is actually growing who is actually mastering different content 
yes, they might be in third grade, you know, reading on a second grade level. But when they first came into my classroom, they were reading on a kindergarten level. Let's have a yeah. conversation about that and not mm. about the fact that they're not on that third grade level. Does that make sense? No, I follow you now. I definitely yeah. follow you now. For sure. For sure. And so and you mentioned something about you. So did you become a principal? I did Actually. not. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I went through my master's program. I am certified to be an administrator. But similar to what I said earlier, they're, they make it very hard for new principals because there are so many principals that have the position and the relationship a lot of times with somebody right. in the district. So it's kind of like, you my friend, so you keep the position. You might not be the best person for it, but you my friend. Right. Oh, it's that, it's that type of deal in your district. Everybody's pretty. They got their own little groups going on. Little, yeah, little groups. And also, like, I just don't. Principals have a certain level of power. I'm not going to take that away from them. Right. But they all but what I also learned going through my master's program is I still have to answer to the district. So even though I might want to do a full blown black history program, drums, yep. dressing up costumes, I still have to answer to the district. Yeah. So even as a I thought I thought becoming a principal would give me more freedom. Right, right, and right. And then my last year I realized that mm, I had more freedom as a teacher. Mm. Mm. I have more money as a principal because I'm, you know, I'm over the larger budget. But when it comes to freedom and autonomy and closing my door and teaching the way that I would like to teach, that freedom, I have more freedom in the classroom than I would over the entire building. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's real. I know um, before, before, I went to school. No, it was a time I was, I used to go speak at an elementary school or I would mm -hmm. do like a little mentoring. And I was pretty cool with the principal at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember, you know, me and him would sit down and have conversations. And I, when I was young, I used to think the principal was like the big dogs, you know, they was like, <laughs> they was running the show. They, hey, whatever the principal say, you got to do or you fired. <laughs> no, but when I uh when I started mentoring at the school, mentoring the boys, I had realized like, oh no, it's not it's not that type of show. I mean, they do they do have some leverage, like you said, but they still yeah. have to answer to um not even the soup like the assistant, like they it's a superintendent, they have other superintendents under them. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know in the district when I was mentoring the kids, they those superintendents were over certain schools. Right. Technically, the principals will have to answer to that superintendent, mm -hmm. and then mm -hmm. those superintendents have to answer to the, you know, exactly. the big superintendent. Then yep. the superintendent has to answer to the board. So yeah, like yeah. you said, still um protocols that you still have to follow. And yeah, I, I I used to think that way too when I was younger. I used to think principals mm -hmm. like the big dog. Hey, yeah, whatever they yeah. say goes. So yeah, and somebody has, and everybody has somebody to answer to. Even as an entrepreneur, like in this space that I'm in, I still have individuals that I have to answer to. But the thing is, I get to choose who I want to exactly. answer to. And if exactly. I'm in a system that's not benefiting kids, I'm not going to. I'm not going to continue to answer to you 
when you don't have the best interest of kids at heart. That was my mm. thing. I'm not mm. going to continue to do that because mm. then I'm a disservice to my kids. Right, right. So let's kind of talk about it because now you are you are into your business and you've been doing it since 2019. You mentioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. so educate, educate, educate me, educate the people. What is yeah. your what is your business about? And I know you talked a little bit about the reason mm-hmm. why you started. I kind of can pick up, but if you could kind of tell us a clear vision of why you started, etc. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so fundamentals of learning was birth really out of a teacher lounge kind of like lingering conversation that always annoyed me. So there was always the conversation, and I've always taught in low-income Title I schools. And there was always this almost blame on the families. Like, this kid doesn't know how to read because the mama didn't, because the mama is clubbing. Or this person don't know how to read because the daddy not there. Or that person don't know how to read because they got a young granny. And it was always like, bam, bam, bam. Like, we throwing all these things at the families. And then one day I was just like, well, when was the last time y'all called them? outside of the kid acting up in class right there was a lot of time y'all recorded y'all sales teaching and giving them that video so that they can help with the, with the homework it was a lot of mm. time you invited this mom in that's always braiding hair to braid hair for your class mm. so it was just like i wanted to be that voice for families to say hey this is what we're doing in the classroom if you want your child to be a better reader bam, do this. So I started five tips in five minutes. Like I would literally teach my class, drop them off at the um, bus loop, and then bam, turn my camera on and say, hey, this is what we did today. If you want to help them with their homework, do it like this. So it really was me trying to change that status quo and trying to move that blame off of the families and really saying, okay, if you don't if you don't do it now it's not because you didn't have the resource and mm. i and that's the, that's the gap that i'm looking to fill with fundamentals of learning so we serve pre-k through fifth we're moving up to sixth this year pre-k through sixth grade children we primarily focus on families we're moving into also focusing and developing and working with educators as well because my whole thing is just to bridge this gap that we see between the school and the home. And when I say mm-hmm. home, that could be your house, your community center, um, boys and girls club. There's a there's a gap between the hard work that teachers are putting in and, and the outcome of, of, mm-hmm. of what we're seeing at the house. And that's mm-hmm. not going to, we're not gonna fill that gap without necessary conversations, without mm-hmm. me saying that the information that I have as a teacher is not a secret. Like it shouldn't be a secret how to grow your child as a reader. It shouldn't be a secret how to grow your child as a mathematician. Like those things shouldn't be FBI, CIA inside information. Like if right. we really truly want students to be successful, we need to be talking to, to moms and dads and grandmas and aunties and uncles because they're with us, you know, for this short amount of time, but they go home with with other people <laughs> they go on vacation with other people so it's just like we can't keep all this information to ourselves and then blame parents in may when we haven't had a conversation about what we have been effectively teaching in the classroom mm. 
So that's why that mm. that was the birth of, of fundamentals of learning, really being that that bridge between what we were doing in schools that was working and making sure that families have access to that at home. That's that mm. that's the you know the biggest thing for us. And of course, we're growing, we're about evolving, we're doing different things, academies and schools and online services. But the foundation of this is making sure that when, God forbid, the world ever closes down, like that could never happen, and schools could mm. never shut down, and families could never be responsible for their kids learning. Like, I know that that could never happen in a million years. But in the event that it does, they need to know what to do. And they just, and, and a lot of them just didn't know. It wasn't that they didn't want to, it's like they didn't have the resources to. Yeah, it, it kind of reminds me of um, it's funny. It kind of brings you back to the very first pot. The very first podcast that I did was on my interview. Um, it was a guy that I met. I know he has a um tutoring company, uh-huh. and I remember we were talking about. I think we had like a. It was like an hour and thirty minute podcast. It was pretty long, but we yeah. had a conversation about parent, parent, parent involvement. Mm-hmm. But I can say this. Um, one thing that I have realized that great educators, what they do in terms of parents is, mm-hmm. and this is something I've learned recently this year, just doing this podcast, is that they will call home when their child is doing well. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, Johnny or, or Smith, just giving out random names, mm-hmm. did X, Y, and Z today. He did a really good job. I was accustomed to, I never heard that because I was so accustomed to um, teachers only calling their parents when they did something bad or mm-hmm. they're having behavior issues. Um, right. So I, I do, I understand that in terms of parents, that that component is very important. And mm-hmm. when you call the parent outside of when the child is misbehaving, it mm-hmm. keeps them involved and that build, it builds that relationship. I think right. one principle I interviewed, he will call the parent just to call the parents to tell them happy birthday. I was thinking yep. about it. I was like, oh, it wow. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So we that's a pretty, that I like the idea of, of your business um, and mm-hmm. the birth. I think um, getting the families involved is so, so important because I've heard those things too. You know, mm-hmm. kids are, um, students are miss are not performing well because of because of the parents mm-hmm. not reinforcing the education, but sometimes it could be them not having the resources. Mm-hmm. And when you do think about um, kids that, um, that are in urban communities, a lot of times, you know, we all know, you know, most of the time it's single moms trying to mm-hmm. do the best that they can. And it's kind of hard if they have to work two jobs and right. they might not be there to tell, you know, tell their kids to, hey, make sure and hold them accountable to do their homework. So right. you having this organization is uh, definitely the solution to um, what what education is currently going to, going mm-hmm. through right now with getting the right. families involved. Right. That's pretty dope. Yeah. So I know that you said you mentioned you got you had you have your you have you said you, you're building academies as well. Mm-hmm. So do you partner yeah. up with schools as well? How does that work? Our partnership, so our partnership with schools looks a little different um, okay. because, of course, when you partner with the school, 
You have to go through their um, procurement offices. You have to mm-hmm. a vendor. You have to do all these different things. Um, so it's been easier for us to partner with communities because right. communities just don't have as much pushback. Right. Um, right. You want to go out and you know, give our free resources or you want to partner with the church or you want to partner with a community organization that's doing something in the community. Like they're, they're welcoming you with open arms. Yeah. Uh, but schools, a lot of times it's like, oh, we already have a contract with this person. Oh, we already have oh, a yeah. contract with yeah. So it's kind of like I spent, and honestly, I'm not bashing school systems. I'm not, you know, bashing them at all. But I spent the first year of my business doing cold calls, sending out emails, driving around town, dropping off my flyers. And nobody stopped to tell me, hey, you have to be a vendor before you can even bring your services into the school. Like I didn't, nobody told me that until my second year in business. And I'm just like, if you're not, and I can only speak for my, my part of the earth, but if you're not a teacher, they don't want you to come in a lot of times. Really? Like if, you, if you're already not getting paid through the system to do your job in that classroom, it's harder to get in there as a business, especially as a new business, especially as a black female in business. Talk like there's it. a lot of different things and different steps and just different actions that you have to take when you look like me versus if you look like somebody else and you got a hey. relationship with certain people. Like it's still a, I mean, I hate to say it this way, and this is my experience, but it's still a who you know, not my talent, not my experience. I'm not even going to say degrees, not my talent, not my experience, not my relationship, not my track record. None of that matters to some of these districts and schools. But it's all about, oh, do you know this person? Do you know that person? And it's just like, no, but I know how to teach kids and I know how to connect with families. And right. so I, I I spent too much of my time as a new business trying to prove myself. And that's a commitment that I made to myself for 2023. Like I'm not sending an email. I'm I'm not chasing. I'm not gonna prove my worth. I'm gonna put out my content. I'm gonna rock with who's rocking with me. And if I'm invited. Praise I love God. it. Right. I love right? it. And if I'm not, I'm not. But I spent too much of my time trying to prove to a system that essentially is not doing everything for kids. Like, I feel like you should be open arms if I'm saying I'm going to come in and do these workshops for families. Oh, yeah. If yeah. your kids 11% passing they state mm-hmm. math test, like, you should be you should be emailing me back right. with a quickness. Like, please come in and help us. Yeah. But that's not the response because their mission and their vision is not making sure that kids are proficient. They mm-hmm. just want to pass them through. They just want their seat. They just want their body in that seat so they can get their funding. It's not about whether or not you're going to graduate and be able to thrive. It's about whether you're going to come into this building so I can still get so I can still get your per your per people funding. Oh man. And that's just my like I said, that's just my yeah. personal personal take on it because i've reached out right i'm not saying that i sat back and i waited for people to come to me no i've driven to at least 50 schools i've emailed at least 50 principals 
I've oh. gone to every district office and handed out flyers and nothing. Wow. Wow. At all. Wow. And and that's the part, like, in terms of like, and I, my next question was going to be, you know, how has it been, how has it been for you being, you know, running your biz, running your education consulting business um, in terms of an entrepreneur? Because there's a, there's a difference between working a, a nine to five and you getting that guarantee. Oh, to <laughs> now you're, you're an entrepreneur and you, you know, you, you, you doing it. You eat what and, you hunt. And, and, but a lot of people aren't talking about the 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 dark the denial component of mm -hmm. like you said driving to fifty schools. Um, I don't know. I just think about like the social media culture of mm -hmm. entrepreneurship. It looks so glamorous, but just yeah. even hearing what you what you're currently going through, going going to these schools, going to these districts. And they're not really, you know, giving you the opportunities. And a lot of these districts, test scores, you know, kids are performing at, um, the, at certain levels, you know? Right. And people, I just feel like people aren't talking about that part because that mm -hmm. part is hard. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. even I have had my own personal experience and I could kind of relate to some mm -hmm. of the things you're sharing, but people not talking about the, 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 the hard part of, like, mm -hmm. really trying to, you know, get clientele and things like that. So I appreciate right. your transparency mm -hmm. um, and you just sharing some of the struggles and some of the things that you've um, had to overcome, you know, yeah. running your business. I, and still I, overcoming, you know, right. and, and definitely still overcoming, even with, you know, the, the new ventures that I'm starting now with, you know, the learning pod and, and, and hoping to open a school. It's just uh -huh. like, it's, it's almost, it's almost like, the HBCU effect. It's like we started it because we had nothing else. Right. We started it because we weren't allowed into these universities and into these spaces. So we had to create our own. Right. And I think sometimes you get attacked for creating your own when you're mm. not being invited into the space. Like what, what did y'all want us to do if we yeah. want to be educated and y'all won't educate us? Right. So now we getting bash for having hbcus when we tried to join what was already there but right. we weren't allowed to so we started our own mm. and now you know with educators leaving the classroom wanting to start our own now we getting bashed but it's just like i tried i tried to leave professional developments as a teacher i tried to tell y'all to bring in these programs as a teacher you didn't want to listen but now i'm getting bashed for creating my own mm. Mm. It just doesn't, you know, it, it, and it's not fair to kids because at the end of the day, if you're really truly in this because it's what you've been called to do and what you're supposed to do, if the kids ain't happy, if the kids ain't getting what they need, then I'm finding something different to do. And that's why I really started with the song, with the Millennium Tour, because I'm just like, we got to find a way to get to these families. Yeah. And they know about the Yang Yang twins and they know about Soldier Boy and they know about these people. So yeah. then I gotta teach y'all about shapes and counting and all these like with these twerk instrumentals in the background. Like sign me up. Like what what do I have to do to make sure that kids are gonna get what they need? And yeah. a lot of times it's going against the grain. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I mean, that's just 
that's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh that's definitely real. Going against the grain and just all the information you shared, man. Uh, can definitely relate to, like I said, to some of the experiences um, mm-hmm. that you have encountered. So, mm-hmm. but definitely, uh, definitely uh, keep going and keep pushing. And like you, said, you keep going too. You keep pushing. Because when I saw you were in your undergrad doing these podcasts, I was like, power to you yeah. for finding your lane, for, for bringing in these professionals. Like you have had individuals on here that, can give you everything you need. It took mm. us 20, 30 years to build it, but you're right. able to get it in an hour. And mm. you're able to share it out with other people. Like you aren't even selfish with it and saying, hey, I'm gonna just talk to these people. I'm just take notes and I'm just get what's mine. Like, no, you're actually bringing individuals on here to not only for you to learn, but for other people to learn too. And that's what we have to do in this field like we have to be louder than the than the mess like right. people that's out here serving families serving kids you know building up educators like we have to be louder because right. there's so much negativity around what we do and what we're passionate about and that's another reason why i'm like i have to be on social media like if i'm the yeah. only person on your news feed talking about teaching kids like i have to be because there's so much negativity around it that we have to find a way to to have our voices in there some some way somehow or these kids not gonna they're not gonna they're not gonna make it yeah yeah that's real and and i think too like you said it's all about you know and definitely working together and collaborating Mm -hmm. um and creating these spaces where Mm -hmm. students can become educated and families mm-hmm. can get involved. And uh, like you said, social media, it's, it's where it's at. You know, that's where the kids are at. They're on TikTok, yep. they're on Facebook, yep. they're on Instagram. You gotta you gotta meet them where they at. So, mm-hmm. and, and I see your consistency. And that's why I said, I gotta have her on my show. I don't know when I'm gonna ask her, but <laughs> I'm gonna ask her to be on my show. I see. I see what you're doing. I love it too. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Well, we are getting close to the hour spot. Um, okay. So before we close out, um, I would love for you to share what are some encouraging words you have to share with with the educators out there. Ooh, encouraging words for the educators out there. First, I love this profession. Let me say that. I am not a formal classroom teacher anymore, um, but I love this profession. It is one of the best professions ever. It is one of the professions that is the most needed. Don't listen to nobody else if they tell you that it's not. We are essential workers, as that term has become very popular during COVID. Um, And we are, and, and, and it doesn't, and this is what I thought about before we started, like, because I, I knew this would be one of the questions. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of thought about how I want. You've been to listening to the podcast. Because <laughs> that's all the way you had to know. <laughs> yeah, you have to listen. And that's my other piece of advice. Y'all, stop coming on these people's podcasts without listening to episodes before yours. So oh. you can learn the flow and the pace. <laughs> I, I catch you, game. Okay. Yeah. You've been listening. Okay. So I so so one thing that I want to say is 
no matter what grade level you're teaching, you are preparing a person. And I think as educators, sometimes we focus so much on the standards and I have to teach them this set of standards while I have them. I have to teach them about fractions and I have to teach them about civil war. And I have to teach them about, you know, all these different facts that we forget. This kid is not always going to be 10. Right. Mm -hmm. Prayerfully, this kid will make it to 20. This kid will make it to 30 years old. This kid will make it to 40 years old. So while I have you in my space, let me help you be the best person that you can be. And that's what I call her Auntie Val. That's oh, what that's, that's what yeah, she yeah. teaches and teaches, right? That is yeah. kids over curriculum. Because yes, I can teach you the strategies, I can teach you place value, I can teach you all of these things. But at the end of the day, what is what is your humanness like? What is your heart like? How do you talk to people? How do you engage with people? What is what is your God-given gift to this world? So if you are an educator and you're not talking to students about their gift, I need you to switch that. Mm -hmm. Because we're not going to always have A, B on a roll. Everybody's not going to always meet that mark for their reading or their math scores. But there is a talent and a gift in each and every kid in your room. And you might be the only person. And that's what my story was. I had teachers that were amazing. I had teachers that pulled things out of me and said, I see you as a writer. I see you as a leader. I see you as somebody that's really passionate. And I needed that because I wasn't necessarily getting that from home. And a lot of times, and, and that's another reason why I'm so passionate about this work. Because I know that, that I know that I'm the only truth that some of these kids might ever encounter. I know that I'm the only gift giver that some of these kids might ever see. And I think if more educators think about themselves in that way, instead of thinking about your lesson plans and thinking about your data binder and your running records, if you start to position yourself to, to be the only hope for these kids, you will teach differently. You'll serve differently. You'll lead differently because you will think to yourself, they may not ever get a glimpse of hopefulness. They may not mm. ever get somebody that's going to tap into their gift. They may not ever get somebody, you know, that's going to pour into their life. That's going to just love on them. And mm. that's why I move the way that I do. Because I'm like, I always think to myself, what if they don't have anybody else that thinks they're mm. special? Mm. What if they don't have anybody else that has ever said, you know what? Ugh, that reading score, not the best. But the way you built those Legos, though, that's the truth, right? And yeah. they just need that. Every every human needs that. If somebody is constantly tearing you down, breaking you down, you never get an award, you never go to the popcorn thing because you bad, you never go to the pizza party, mm. you, you're not going to grow up and feel like you have something to give to this world. Mm. You're just not because nobody ever told you that you did. So mm. that would be my thing. I know, I know that was a lot. But rewind it and listen to it again <laughs> so y'all can get it. But definitely pour pour into them. What even if you want kind of back to your question in the beginning, right? Fill yourself up with love and peace and hope 
Because mm. a lot of y'all pouring out negativity because that's all you got in you. Mm. A lot of y'all pouring out criticism because that's all you have inside of you to pour out. So fill yourself up with these things first so that you can pour out more positivity. That, mm. that's, that's what I was saying. Mm. I love it. I love it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm pretty sure the educators received those positive words and that positive energy. And um, once again, thank you so much for tapping in with the Schoolhouse Podcast. Where is jumping? Ain't that jumping? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. You can make me a co-host. You can make me a co-host. <laughs> Say it again. I said you can make me a co-host. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. One day. Hey. 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 One day. <laughs> I, I just have been thinking about a co-host. I've been thinking about it. I've been thinking about it. Let me know. I'll send you my invoice. Oh, yeah. Oh, the invoice. Oh, the invoice coming. Hey. hey. That's that entrepreneurship right there. The invoice. But I appreciate you once again. No worries. Thank you for the invitation. Oh, you are so welcome. Well, you enjoy the rest of your evening. You too. Good night. Welcome to the Schoolhouse Podcast office where it is jumping. Um, it was a lot that we talked about today, so I won't say too much. But if you are an educator out there, um, we all know we live in a society or we're living in a world and times are different. And if you are an educator that has the heart and desire to want to be an entrepreneur, maybe you want to start that education consulting business or that tutoring business or have a podcast or become a speaker and speak to teachers and uh students or at a university hey um just hang in there um if you if you if you are out there keep keep the hope keep persevering never give up stay consistent you heard the story today you know and i hope you guys go back and listen to it because if anything what i took out of it today was uh perseverance perseverance. So I hope that you guys continue to uh, persevere um, in wh whatever endeavors you have, or if that's you wanting your students to do better academically, continue to persevere. Have those heart-to-heart -heart conversations with your students so that they can be at grade level and build those connections and relationships with their kids because they matter. They're not just a test score or they're not just, just anybody. They're your students. And I know that you care about them and love them and just continue to treat them with care and love. Thank you guys for rocking with the Schoolhouse Podcast, and I am...